your good fruit, but don't lose it. That tells me that you can lose your fruit. Can I, I, amen? You can lose your fruit. Galatians chapter 5. That's where we're going to kind of start, if that's okay. Because what happens is, you know, we, we, we're called to produce fruit, right? That's what we're supposed to be. Jesus is a vine. We're, you know, we're supposed to produce fruit. If we don't produce good fruit, then what is he going to do? He's going to cut us up and he's going to chop us up and he's going to throw us in the fire with the shape and we're going to burn up and we're going to be gone, right? Okay, that, that's what's going to happen, people. But anyway, okay, so we have to have this fruit that, that shows God that we are who we say we are, right? That's how we can, we can assure ourselves that we are who we say we are. Because we can walk around all day and say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a little insight on this, okay? I went to what they call a Christian concert last night, okay? Ain't nothing Christian about a concert, is there? But anyway, we went to a concert and we were out all night. So if I fall asleep in a minute, just wake me up, okay? But what I want to tell you is that we're called to have fruit in our lives. We have to have a fruit so that God knows who he's dealing with. Okay? So that we know that what we say we are, what we, when we know that what we, we act like we're doing, okay? Because let's, let's, we're going to be real, real honest with ourselves today. Okay? Because a lot of the times we just act like we think we should act. A lot of the times we pretend that we're somebody that we're not when we're around somebody that we think we should act a certain way around, okay? And then we go home, and we close the door behind us. Oh, and we do like Al Bundy did, and we, you know, unbutton your pants and sit out on the couch and watch TV for a little while. Can, you understand what I'm trying to tell you? We hide behind the smiles on our faces, and we hide behind the amens and the praise of the Lord's, and then we just, we... Phew, I'm glad that's over. I don't want it to be over. Amen. The, the, the smile and the, the facade that we put on when we come to, to church or when we come around certain people, the, you know, when we're supposed to act happy around this group and act happy around that group, I don't want that to go away. I don't want the joy that I have when I'm pretending to go away just because I walk away from that situation. That's kind of what happened to me. Because I want to tell you what the fruits of the Spirit are. Okay, For those of you who don't attend Sunday school, maybe this will be a lesson to you. Okay, Love, joy, patience, goodness. Can I get a help? Love, joy, goodness, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. Now, I want to let you in on a little secret. We were downstairs last Sunday. This has been going on for a year that I can remember. And no telling how long behind that year. But I'm going to stop at a year because I don't want to know what happened before that. You know what I mean? You ever get that way? One year ago, I stood right here. I never studied it. I never ran the thought through my mind in preparing a sermon that for that particular day, it, that the statement never came across my mind, not one second. 
So I know without a shadow of a doubt it was the Holy Spirit that spoke it. Because when I, when I said it, certain things were set into place. Okay, and it took a whole year before it finally hit me. And I realized what was going on in my life. Okay? So what I want to tell you today is that there is hope. There is peace. There is joy. There is comfort. There is everything that you can ever ask for in the Lord. If you hold on to your fruit. Because what happened to me is last Sunday, okay, we were in the, downstairs in the dungeon and we... We now have a light switch down there. We hadn't, we hadn't had a light switch in years, okay? So, yeah, so we can turn the lights on and off now, okay? So, you know, so we open up the, the laptop, and we're going to watch some uh, Andy Griffith, and we turn the lights off, and it got, it got so dark in that room because there's no windows. If you hadn't been down there, there's no windows, and if the doors are closed, there's no light in there at all. So when you turn the lights off, it is dark. You can't see, you know, your hand in front of your face, Okay? But so we got the movie going on. When I turn the lights off, everybody's like, ooh, it's dark. Oh, I can't see, you know. And if you do that and you hold your hand in front of your face, after a minute, what happens? You start to see it, right? Okay, so, so you start to see it. Okay, so, well, I didn't catch it then. But during this whole thing that was going on, Amy gets up and she goes out. Well, when, naturally, when she opened the door, it let all that light in there, and the room just lit up in a certain spot. And everybody's like, what is that? Is that Jesus? And it was just Amy going out. And then when she came back, you know, the same thing, the light goes, you know, everybody's, whoa. And she comes stumbling through. You know, she couldn't find her chair. She couldn't see the, and we're all, you know, I'm sitting there like, we're watching Amy. What's wrong with you? What are you, I mean, yeah, why are you stumbling around? Just sit down already. And she's like, I can't see anything. But everybody that was in that room, you could see her, couldn't you? Y'all don't pay attention. Can I, let me text you real quick. <laughs> everybody down there could see her, but she couldn't see where she was going. Well, what, what happens is we've got this, uh, our, an enemy, Okay. And he is like a lion. And he prowls around seeking to destroy, to kill, steal, and devour. Right? And if we're not careful, when that, lion, when that enemy that's like a lion, when he gets to sneaking around and crawling around and looking around and trying to kill, steal, and destroy and take all our stuff, when he starts to do that, if we're not careful, he'll pick a piece of fruit and we don't even notice that he picked it. Okay? Because a year ago, I stood right here and I said that I cannot understand how somebody can be depressed when they know Jesus. And it took a whole year and a whole lot of crap. I'm, can I say crap? A whole lot of crap. Junk. In my life that I should have enjoyed that I should have been glad while I was there, not looking back saying, oh, that, yeah, that was, that was fun. I remember that. But I don't remember having fun while I was there. Why didn't I have fun while I was there? And, th and all these things. And you know what I noticed? I, st I started doing... Satan will take our fruit in reverse because he'll take your self-control first. 
You know what I'm saying? First thing that happens when something don't go your way, when you're starting to lose your, your fruit, when Satan starts to come in and prowl around your door and pounce out on you when you walk out that door, the first thing you do is you lose your cool. Okay? And a lot of times we lose our cool on somebody else, but we're really not mad at them. Who are we mad at? We're mad at God because why? Because in our mind, we know that God should have done this this way. And we think that God should do, I, God, I know how you're going to handle this situation. So come on in and do what you're supposed to do. Do what you came to do, God. Do it just like you did the last time. But that's not the way God operates, is it? God's not going to do what we think God's going to do. Why? Because that makes us, puts us up right there with him. So he's going to say, no, I'm not going to just come in and do it that way. I'm going to make you walk around the city seven times. Okay? You're not just going to bust the door down. You're not just going to go in and take over the city. You're going to have to walk around it seven days in a row. Then the walls will just fall down for you. Well, that's not the way, no, that's not the way we do things, God. Look at us. There's so many of us that kicked us out of Egypt. We can, surely we can take this little Jericho. No, that's not the way God does stuff. So we, we, we lose our self-control and we start to argue and fight with other people. But we're really not arguing and fighting with other people. Who we're really mad at is God because God didn't do it the way we wanted him to do it. Remember that? Does anybody else, am I alone in this? Okay. But when we start to argue with God, well, now I got to do it. Now we're back to like they were in Egypt. You know, when they come out of the desert, and I've been studying this for a while, y'all, and I'm not up here to give you a book report. I'm up here to give you some peace and some hope and some joy, and I'm here to get you some, make sure that your fruit that's got some spots on it, that you come out there and, and that you wipe it off and you spray it with a little bit of extra water, maybe some miracle grow, put something else on it, and you let your fruit flourish okay that's why i'm here i'm not and it's not about a book report okay i'm not going y'all want sunday school lessons come to sunday school but in when they came out of the egypt they they're coming and they're right on the edge of the promised land anybody in here right on the edge of the promised land right now is anybody in here on the edge of you're fixing to move into what god has for you Okay? If you don't know, let me answer that question for you. Yes, you are, because you don't know when Jesus is coming back. Jesus can come back any second, any minute, any day, any hour, any year. Whenever he decides to come back, he's coming back. And we're, that puts us right on the edge of the promised land. We're just like all those Israelites, when they went all the way through that desert, they spent 40 years there, and then they get right on the edge. They're fixing to come into the promised land. They're fixing to get what they did, what they journeyed so long to get. But they had no idea that they were so close. And they turned and they started arguing again and again and again and again and again. And I'm going to tell you what, I heard this stupid saying. I heard this silly saying on the radio and it didn't make sense to me, but now it does. Does anybody listen to the WDJC radio? Okay, they had a little saying on there here a while back, and every time you turn the radio on, they were saying it. Your vibe attracts your tribe. Okay, y'all remember hearing that? I was like, well, good, be glad. But it drove me nuts because they just kept saying, you know, it's like, record something else to play. But anyway, it makes perfect sense to me now because I see it in Scripture. Because the Israelites argued 
all the way through the desert. And now they get to Kadesh, and there's a rock. And they've already seen God have Moses strike a rock one time and water come out when they needed water. And now here they are. They're on the edge of getting the promise. And when they get there, Moses is there, and he's got his stick. And they're like, just hit the rock and give us some water. Come on, man. It's not what happened. That's just my version of it. But they're standing on the edge of the promise. And they go and they complain once again and again and again. We don't have any water. What would you bring us out here for? You brought us all the way out here. This is, you know, what, 38 years later. You brought us all the way out here just to die. We had so much going on for us back in Egypt. We had all the, there's no, there's no figs here. There's no pomegranates here. We don't, you know, we don't have anything. There's, there's no whips, no chains, no slave masters. None of that's here. They forgot about all that, didn't they? Okay, because that's what happens to us when we start to lose our fruit. Because the first fruit that we lose is always our self-control. So they're flipping out and they're going crazy. And they're just screaming at Moses. So Moses says, you know what? You want water? Give me a minute. I'll go talk to God. He goes to talk to God, which is what we're supposed to do. But what does he do? He goes into to God. And instead of talking to God, he goes in and argues to God. God, what are you going to do with these people? You gave me these people. And now all they do is argue and complain and throw a fit and scream and yell. And they wanna, before it's over with, they're going to kill me. You know what I mean? Same thing happened with Adam, didn't it? The, the woman you gave me. She, that's why, hey God, it's your fault. You gave her to me. She's the reason that I did it. It's, it's all you. You just left me alone. We were good. Right? So he goes, Moses goes in and he complains to God. And your vibe attracts your tribe. Okay? All these, or tribe, whatever it is. So all these people are complaining to Moses all this time. And guess what? The whole time, that old sneaky snake, the devil... Right? The one that's like a roaring lion. He's prowling around and he's waiting on his chance to pounce on him. And now all of a sudden, okay, they're arguing with you. Well, let me tell you, yeah, Moses, are you going to take that? Are you really going to let that? You know, you, no, do you know who you are? You, know, you were on holy ground that one time. Remember, you had to take your shoes off. You were on holy ground. Moses, you can't take that. That's how the devil operates. He gets in your ear and, no, oh, you, uh, I know you didn't. How many times you said that? Mm -hmm. Twice this morning. Okay? Remember, we went to a concert last night. You can imagine how it was in my house. No, I'm just kidding. We, everything went pretty smooth. Pretty smooth. But, so Moses goes in to complain to God. And, and by the way, if y'all want to keep up, this is uh, Numbers chapter 20. But I'm not reading it. I'm just, I'm just skimming through it because I got somewhere much brighter to go, baby. Okay? They get in. And Moses goes and complains to God. And God says, all right, here's what, here's what you're going to do. Take the staff and go out to the people. And he says, take the staff. He says, take the staff and go out to the people. So Moses took the staff from the presence of the Lord. We're not going to get into all that. But he says, take the staff. And so Moses took the staff from the presence of the Lord. And he goes out to the rock. And he walks out there. And what does he do? Does he say, praise God, I went and talked to God. Here's what he's going to do. I know y'all are complaining. Because he just prayed for them a, few, you know, a couple of chapters back. Prayed that God wouldn't kill them. 
because God wanted to wipe them all out. And he said, no, just calm down, God. It's going to be okay. But he comes out, and he just comes running out, and you know, he's like, praise God. I talked to God, and he's answered our prayers, and he says that if I just speak to the rock, then we're going to all have water, and we're all, everything's going to be okay. No, that's not what he does. He comes out, and he says, you rebels. You low down, dirty. I can't believe you're talking to me that way. If you want, I mean, you want me to bring water out of that rock? So instead of speaking to the rock the way God said to do, which, by the way, what does Jesus tell us? Anything you ask in my name, it shall be given to you. Everybody ever heard that? Okay. Who, who's ever asked for a million dollars? Come on, I know you have. Yeah, I know Ken has. Okay. You know why you don't get it? Because you don't finish the verse. Okay. According to thy will. Okay, it's not his will. But anyway, if we anything that we come to Jesus with and ask him, he is willing to give it if it's according to his will. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that Jesus didn't plant a bunch of trees down here on earth for them not to produce fruit. So when your fruit's being stolen and you don't know where to turn or how to get it back, that's going to be by calling on the name of Jesus and speaking to the rock which is Jesus, that we stand on, speaking through His grace and mercy that you can receive your joy. You can receive your self-control. You can receive your patience. You can receive your goodness, your gentleness, and your faithfulness. But that's what the devil does. He steals our fruit. And he stole Moses's. Moses was right, I mean, right there. Moses, you can't be the, the high priest, uh, but your brother is, because I got something much bigger for you, basically, is what God told him. And then he, and as soon as he struck that rock twice, instead of speaking to it the way God said, and that water flowed, you know, Moses was like, hey, that worked. We got water now. God said, you know what? You will not enter into the promised land. You didn't trust me enough. And I needed to know. It was a test is all it was. It was a test. Because, hey, and let me, let me let you in on a little secret. Okay? Do you know what God uses to build our faith? Disappointment. God will use disappointment in your life to grow your faith. Right? I believe there's a scripture that says, you know, uh, Rejoicing, no, what is it? What's James 4.1? Come on, somebody help me out. Hey, I got it. I'm a preacher, man. I'm supposed to know this stuff. And I usually do, but I, I'm, I'm probably saying something that I shouldn't be saying. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you're faced with all types of trials and temptations. Why? Keep reading. Why? Because it... Builds character. Character builds endurance. And it, it, it eventually leads up to faith. Consider it pure joy when you go through all trials and tribulations because it will build you up. It grows your faith. Okay? God uses disappointments in our lives to grow our faith. That's what he does. But guess what? Our enemy, the devil, who is like a roaring lion, he uses disappointments in our life 
come back. Because here's what I found out. When I realized sitting in that room that it was so dark, but I could see, man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, God, how did, how did I get here? How did I get to a place in my life? I'm, hey, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know how you know me or if you know me, but you're about to. I am not perfect. I'm tired of pretending to be perfect. But I'm not perfect. I am not perfect. My Savior is perfect. And because of His grace and His mercy that follow me around everywhere I go, I can act like I'm perfect. I can produce some fruit that shows that I'm working towards that. But I've got things in my life that I allow to control me. Just like everybody else. But when I sit back and I try to think about what other people think about me and how people think about me, guess what happens? I wind up losing my joy. I have lost my self-control. I've lost my gentleness. I've lost my faithfulness. I have lost my patience. Really never had any of that. I got pa stupid. I got weird patience. I can do, you know, I got patience for some stuff. Sir? Are you a preacher? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got, I got <laughs> patience for this and patience for that. But, uh. I've lost all the way up to my joy, okay? Because, like I said, the, the devil, he, he, he takes it from, from the back to the front. Because if he came in on the front end, you would recognize it. You would see it. You would recognize how dark it was. Not that it's so dark, but you're gradually adjusting to the darkness to where you can see now. It would just be pitch black altogether, and you would, you would see it, and you would fight against it. But when he comes in and, and takes it from reverse... It's much smoother transition from the light to the dark. But he's all the way up to my joy. He got to my joy, Trey. That's where he got. He got all the way to my joy. My, my joy. My joy. I'm glad y'all find this funny. I'm trying to pour my heart out to y'all. But he got all the way to my joy. And the last step that he has to take is my love. And my love is for my Father in heaven. Once I lose the love for my Father in heaven, then I lose the love for the people that I love here on earth. And if he ever gets to the part to where he's taking the love out of your life, 
and he's taken the love away from you where you can't love anymore, he's got you completely. And he's got you smothered. And by the time you realize how dark it is, it's too late and too long, and you're already so far gone that nothing can help you, right? Wrong! When you get to the point to where you're so far gone that you think nothing can help you, when you get to where it's so deep and so dark that you think there's no way out of it, there's a way out of it. His name is Jesus. Because he came and died for you. When it was dark, you know when it was dark? It was dark when he was hanging on the cross. You know why he was hanging on the cross? That's because he knew that you was going to go through some stuff and you were going to sit there and say, there's nothing that I can do to draw me out of this except trust in the one that died for my sin. Because he didn't just die for your sin. He died for your soul. He died for you. He died because he wants you to be with him. He had to die for the sin because that's what was keeping you from him. But he really wants you to be there. It's not just, a, I'm, I'm sick of sin. It's, I'm sick of not being able to be with my people. And my people can't be with me because of the sin. So I'm going to die for their sin. So that they can be with me. It's more than just Christ dying for your sin. It's about Christ wanting a relationship with you. Because Christ, what Christ will do is when you think you can't do anymore. He'll come and say, yeah, you're right. You can't do anymore, but I can. And I don't know how... Many times you've gotten to that place in your life where you were just at the end of your rope and at the end of your wit and you didn't think anything would get you out of where you are and then all of a sudden it did. That was Jesus. That was the Holy Spirit moving into your life and saying, okay, I've let you go as far as you're going to go. Now it's time to come back. Just like when these two guys, we're going to go old school on you because Easter's coming, right? They were on the road to Emmaus and they're walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking away from Jerusalem. Why were they in Jerusalem? Because Jesus the Christ was in Jerusalem. We thought you were the one who was to come. They, when Jesus walks up to them, they didn't. You know, they were like, "Man, do you, are you the only one that don't know what happened? Are you the only one?" Well, let's tell it. We'll tell you about it. They said, "We thought that he was the one that was going to come. We thought he was the prophet that had came into the world to save us. We thought he was the one." And then they crucified him. If you, when you, I, look, I know we're short on time. So when you get a second, don't trust me. Read the scripture. But go to Luke chapter 24 and read that little road to Emmaus conversation right there. Because when they said that we thought he was the one, they were leaving Jerusalem. And Jesus when they thought that all hope was gone, when they thought that everything that they had put their life in was over with, and now we got to go back and we got to go back to the drawing board and we got to start looking and try to figure out, okay, who's the next one to come? If that wasn't him, then who is? We got to figure that out. They got a lot of stuff going on in their minds. But as they're walking away from Jesus, as they're walking away from the grave that they put Jesus in because he said it was on the third day when he came to them. Okay? We know that because it said he came to them on that Easter Sunday. Okay? That, that's when Jesus met them on the road to Emmaus. So on the day he said he was supposed to rise, that's when they're walking away from the grave. 
instead of coming and checking on it, they just got up and decided it was over with. There's no hope for me anymore because I know that I've done too much. I know that what I've done is never enough and nothing I can do can change the situation that I'm in. Nothing that I can do can change the way that God feels about me. Well, guess what? I'm here to tell you, yes, there is. And that's a hope and a trust in Jesus. That's trusting what he has done for you. We'll come into church and we'll stand up and we'll welcome God into our service. God, we just want to welcome you, welcome your spirit in this place. We welcome you, we welcome you, we welcome you, God. That ain't the way it works, man. God, I thank you for welcoming me into your presence. You know what I mean? But we, when we let that devil who's like a lion, he's like a lion. Like a lion. He's not a lion. He's like a lion. The one who is the lion is the lion of Judah. That's Jesus. And when we welcome, try to welcome him into our life, he's like, man, I've been here the whole time. I've been, I know that you know what I'm talking about. So if you've never experienced God welcoming you into his life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you've never experienced the, the fruit of love, the fruit of joy, the fruit of your self-control, God's willing to give you that fruit. If you can't hold a thought in your head anymore, I'm telling you, God can change your life to where you can focus. Focus on Him. Because He is the lion, not the, not the enemy of Satan. And He is able to heal you. He's able to forgive you he's able to say you know what I yeah I know what you've done and that's why I love you so much because I was able to do something for you to get you out of that you know what I mean you know why you're broken you know why you've been broken before so that you know what it feels like to be made whole again and that's what God wants to do right here right now is he wants to make you whole again whatever is holding you back from having your fruit your, all of your fruit, not just a part of it, not just one of them, not just some of it, but whatever's holding you back from having your fruit, Jesus is, is, is in this place, okay? We didn't have to ask him to come. He was already here. So Jesus is in this place, and he's waiting right now. And all, he, all, he, all you have to do is, is just cry out to him and let him know that God, yeah, you know, I, I realize now that I've been sitting in the darkness so long that it's become normal to me. I've been hanging out in this dark, dreary place so long and the smell's so bad that I've gotten used to it. Anybody ever gotten used to the smell of something? You don't, you don't even realize And then people tell you how bad it stinks and you're like, I don't even smell it anymore. Y'all get in my truck sometime. But you don't have to stay there. 
You just have to realize that that's where you are. You have to realize that God's calling you right now and letting you know that you are His child, that you are welcome, that there is an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion and he is out to destroy you and he does want to steal your stuff. He wants to take everything you've got because that's all he can do. But God's not willing to let him. You know why? Because if you already know Jesus, then get this. Okay? And if you don't know Jesus, then get this. Because if you come to know Jesus and ask him to be the Lord of your life, you're going to get this. So I want to tell everybody that when that devil that comes at you and starts to try to steal your stuff, you can stand back and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because there's a savior and a master that lives inside of me that can over, not can, has already overcome. He has already overcome. And I know that I say this a lot. But in Revelation chapter 12, it tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Everybody in here has got a testimony because everybody in here, I think, going out on a limb, I think, has been in the dark so long that it, you've gotten used to it. And there's a God that's standing right before you right now that's ready, willing, and able if you'll just cry out to drag you back up out of the dark into the light. You know what I mean? And that God is greater than he that is in the world. He nailed him to the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, that's exactly what he did. He made, it says he made a spectacle of the powers of darkness. Made a spectacle of it. The devil, his idea was, I'm going to nail, okay, Deb, I've convinced these church people to crucify their Savior, to kill the one that's going to set them free. I've convinced them to do that. And look, now he's hanging on the cross. And oh, I look at the spectacle I've made of Jesus by the, my manipulative power. And then Jesus turns right around and flips the script on him and says, No, I made a spectacle of you because I'm going to rise from the dead. And I'm going to save my people. I'm going to free my people. And it's going to be through this death that you think is so heinous and bad that I'm going to do it. And that's exactly what he's done. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you're like me, and you've been hanging out in this dark dungeon all this time, and you didn't realize it until somebody, that, somebody else that's in the same place you're in that you didn't ever think you could get there, and you didn't want to admit that you was there until that person is brave enough and bold enough to come and let you know that there are things that can control your mind, and you're wrong, and uh, don't tell me I'm wrong. Because I don't care if I'm right or not, but I'm going to argue with you. Okay? I am not going to see my fault if I can argue with you over it. That's Brad. That's Brad. You know what? But now that I know my fault, guess what? I've got a Jesus. I've got a Lord. I've got a Savior. I've got a God in heaven that's willing to change me and make me a new creation. Because now I know that my fruit's been stolen and i got to get it back. 
So if you've been living in that dark, dirty place and you don't know how you're going to get out of it, or you don't even realize that you're there, but now all of a sudden it's like, you know, yeah, I do. hey, I have been throwing more fits lately than I have. I, I have been, you know, I went to the birthday party yesterday and, you know, I had cake and they even got a little on my nose and it didn't even make me happy. You know what I mean? If you're just suffering through life, then somebody has stolen your fruit. And it's time to get it back. And God's willing to give it back if you're willing to admit that it's been stolen. So, right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. You can stand, you can lift your hands, you can do whatever you got to do, but you praise God in heaven. You praise God in this place. You praise God that even though, even though he still loves you. No matter what, he still loves you. No matter how bad, no matter how long, no matter how long you've been going through it, no matter how far away from him you got, it said that the road to Emmaus, from Jerusalem to Emmaus was seven miles. He walked with them all the way there. He's coming after you right now. You don't submit to the Lord. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Hardest thing in the world to do, resist the devil. Even harder than that, submit to the Lord. Even when we're not submitting, even when we're walking away, even when we're running from God, even when we're trying to hide from God, he still comes after us. And he's coming after you right here, right now, today. He's coming to find you. He's found you. He wants you to find him. He wants you to find him and trust him. So right now, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never given your heart and your soul and everything about you to Jesus, if you've never decided that you want to live Forever in heaven with Jesus. If you don't know where you would go if you something were to happen today and you died and you're not sure that you would wind up in heaven, here's your opportunity to know. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then I want you to just look up, raise your hand, stand up, jump up and down. Flip around, do whatever it is you got to do. Because if you don't know him, I know he's here. And I know he's pulling on your heart. And I want you to submit to God. I want you to give in to that feeling that you feel inside of you. I want you to give in to that, that, that aching that's in your heart. And give your life to Christ. If you're sitting in here right now today, and you have been just caught up in this darkness and you, you're just now realizing things that, you know, you, you, you got your basics down. I know I do this. I know I do that wrong. I know I do that wrong. But all of a sudden, God has opened your eyes and you've seen something else that you never even realized was there. Then you can come. You can sit. You can, you can jump up and down and spin around. But cry out to God and let God your God, 
your Savior, let him have it. Give it to him. He wants to take your problems and turn them into your blessings. He wants to take your junk and produce some clean, beautiful fruit from it. Father, as we sit right here right now today, I thank you. I praise you. I give you all of my junk, God. Father, I pray that you open the hearts, the eyes, the ears of every person in here. I pray that, God, that, that you convict them to move in a way that's pleasing to you. That you motivate them through their convictions, Father. Just the same way you did me. That when we realize where we are, we come running back to you. Help us to know that no matter how far or how long we've been gone, God, that we can just turn around and we're right, you're, you're right there. We don't have to snake our way all the way back through it. But you're building our faith. So we've been through some junk, God. Now give us some faith. I know it's a gift. Give us some faith, please, Father. In your will and in your time and in your mercy and in your grace, Father. Give us some faith to trust in you, to trust you, to know that you and you alone are our hope and our salvation. That once our joy is gone, the only thing left to take is our love. Father, and don't let it be taken from us. I thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for the message. I thank you for the hearts that you've placed in this place to hear you, Father. I ask that you continue to, to motivate us through our convictions as we go out of this place and, and we get, get busy back in our own lives where when we get home and shut the door, God, maybe then we'll fall down and cry out to you. But Lord, most of all, I pray that no matter how, no matter when, no matter where it happens, that, that we do, we fall on our face and we cry out to you. And trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.